Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling along, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline headed towards the weekend. Great night in the NBA tonight. We've spent most of the show on that today. We will get back to it shortly. Lots to get to here. I've got some quotes from Tiger Woods that I find interesting and disturbing and very much of concern. So we will get to those coming up as well. But I wanted to spend a moment on the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, I've been a baseball fan all of my life. And I think most of us in this country learn to play baseball at a very young age, at a very young age, even if baseball is not something that you care for. It's not one of your favorite sports or anything. Pretty much every American knows the basic fundamental rules of baseball, right? I mean, oh, yeah. The bottom line of it is, right, someone throws the ball and you try and hit it with a bat and then you run to first base. And if they throw the ball and it gets to first base before you do, you're out. Like that's been the rule in baseball. I'm not sure exactly how far back that dates. Hembo, can you can you look that up for me? How far back does that rule date? That dates, Greeny, to April of 1854. There were two rules that were enacted in April of 1854. The force play. And specifying the size and weight of the baseball itself. It is as old as the baseball. The force play is as old as the baseball. So the force play at first, I remember the very first time I ever played any organized baseball in my life. I'm five years old and I hit a ball and I ran to first and I slid into first base and the coach pulled me aside and said, Michael, that's not what you do. You run through the bag, put your head down and run as fast as you can because they don't have to tag you at first base. I learned that lesson at the age of five and I've never forgotten it. So I'm not even talking about how stupid the players on the Pittsburgh Pirates are. I'm talking about what their manager said after this play. Here's the 0-2 home and a swing and a ground ball on to third base. He took a neck-high pitch and hit it on the ground to third. Now Baez running back toward home plate. Tag him, tag him. Tag him quickly. And what did Craig do there? They get a run out of that. And now they got to get the out at first. And they throw it into right field. That's going to get a run for the Cubs. Oh, my, what a loony play, and he's in at second base. Just tag him out. What was that? The Cubs are going to get a run, and Baez is safe at second base on a routine ground out to third. Oh, the Calliope's can be heard from here to Sewickley. Sports Radio 93. That was one of the worst plays I've ever seen. (laughs) Sorry, I'm so sorry. I talked over the end of that. I didn't know we left that on there. I love it. It is the worst play I've ever seen. Because you've seen all kinds of errors. I mean, I've, I've seen great moments in baseball. When the ball goes off Jose Canseco's head and bounces into for a home run. When Manny Ramirez cuts off that play and left. We've seen a lot of great, hilarious moments. But this really may be the worst play I've ever seen in my life. Sports Radio 93.7, the fan, if I fail to mention that. I'm sure you've seen it by now on social media. But basically, there's a runner at second. There's two outs in the, there's two outs in the inning. And Javi Baez hits a routine ground ball to third. The throw over to first pulls the first baseman off the bag. The first baseman, for reasons known only to him, chases Baez back to the plate. (laughs) Baez starts running backwards. This first baseman starts running after him for absolutely no reason. The run comes around, scores. The third baseman throws it home to try and tag him out for no reason. They don't get him. Now no one's covering first. Baez runs. He makes it safely. The throw gets away. He winds up on second base. 
But none of that is the worst part. Who's the manager of the Pirates? Derek Shelton is his name. What did he say afterwards? Our guy has to know the rule. That's on me. That's on me? I'm sorry, what? What? what, what? I'm sorry, what? what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? The manager's supposed to tell you that if you tag, if you go to first base before the runner gets there, he's out? You're in Major League Baseball and you don't know that a force play at first exists and that indeed if it is the third out of an inning, it ends the inning and the run doesn't score? We need to tell the players that? Are you freaking kidding me? That's the worst thing I've ever seen. However bad people are saying it is, it's worse. There is no comparison. People are comparing it to Dan Orlovsky running out of the back of the end zone or something like that. It's much more fundamental than that. Dan just lost track of where he was on the field. Dan did not know that running out of the back of the end zone was a bad idea. I, what, what would this be equivalent to? This would, uh, Hembo, give me an analogy. Oh, it's much worse than that. It would be like... Way worse than it, that. It would be like just forgetting to dribble. Like it's that fundamental to baseball. It would be like not knowing you had to dribble. <laughs> like it's one thing to forget to dribble. Oh, in the heat of the moment, I forgot to dribble. It would be like not... No, like like, like I, I, I don't even know what else to say. What are we supposed to say when something like that happens? The entire time, just to be clear... As everything else is happening, if, if the ball just gets to first base in the hands of a defensive player and anyone, any part of that player touches the bag, the, the runner, Baez is out and the run doesn't score. Baez is 85 feet from first base when Contreras crosses the plate. It doesn't count until Baez can reach uh, first base safely. safely. And he reached second base. Safely. Th- that part, yeah. I, well, look, I don't even know what to say. Look, I, this is one of those that I literally just throw up my hands. I, I don't know what else to say about it. So I'm just going to leave it like that. But it is the worst. Do you have any further? Because Hambo, literally every once in a while this morning, I have turned to him and I find him just laughing because you're just watching that play over <laughs> and over again and you just find it so funny. I, pl- I play baseball through college. I have coached many youth baseball games. It is the most outrageous thing I have ever seen on a baseball field at any level. It is the if you only need to know one rule in baseball, it is that <laughs> and a big league first baseman messed it up. If you only need to that's I guess that's a good point. If you're only going to know one rule in baseball, I, I guess it could be three strikes is an out, but the umpire four will tell balls you that. is a walk. That's probably true. <laughs> like, if you get a fourth ball, the umpire will probably say, just go on ahead down there. <laughs> you don't need to stand here anymore. Put the bat down and go over there. Like, someone will tell you that. Three strikes, yeah, you know, no, no, you're done here, okay? That was the third strike. Go back to the dugout. The next person gets to come up and try this now. <laughs> Like, so you're right. Someone will instruct you of that real time. Like, if you're only going to have to know one rule, it is probably that, that, that there is a force play at first base at all times. There is never a situation in a baseball game in which the force is not on at first. <laughs> you know, like you'll hear that in the infield. All right, force at second, force at second, plays at third, force at third. There is never, just let me very clear, can we just make sure, any kids, if you're listening, or parent coaches, let's just make sure you're aware of this one very fundamental and important rule. The force is always on at first. The runner is always out at first if you tag the bag before he gets there. 
You made the point exactly right. The, the base path is 90 feet long. Javi Baez is 85 <laughs> feet away from first base when the run scores. <laughs> it's, it didn't count. It didn't count at that point. It's true. I hope everyone gets that. Like, the run doesn't count until he's safe at first. It still wouldn't count. Envision a situation where there's two outs and a runner on third, and you hit a ground ball to short, and the runner kind of slowly jogs up first base. It doesn't matter if the runner from third scores before the throw gets there. There's no timing involved here. It's a force at first. If the force play is executed at first, the run doesn't count. It doesn't matter if it takes 10 minutes to happen. The run doesn't count. That's amazing because they had the chance to redeem themselves after the first baseman does the most insane thing I've ever seen on a baseball field. They had 85 feet to fix it, and they couldn't. Just bear in mind, if ever you see a first baseman chasing a runner back towards <laughs> home plate. He had a run down between home plate and first base in the big leagues. <laughs> Again, did he, is, it, is it possible? I have not seen. Would it be more excusable? This never entered my mind until this minute. And perhaps he was asked, is it possible the first baseman didn't know how many outs there were? Because that would matter if he thought there were zero outs or one out, it I, would ma- then it would make a difference. The run would obviously count. The run would count, but wouldn't you then be more inclined to catch the ball and to make an immediate out at first base as so, so that runner could not continue advancing? Well, uh, right. That's right, because the runner scored from second, not from third. No, right? there's no excuse. There's no excuse. <laughs> it's the worst play ever. It's the worst play ever. And I can't conceive a play that could be worse. Like, it, is, it, it will go down as the worst play in the history of... Of sports. Let's think about that. What could be worse? What could be worse than not knowing that? Like, I can't even fathom. Like, like there was a very famous play in my childhood. Jim Marshall, who was a defensive lineman for the Minnesota Vikings, picked up a ball, a fumble, and ran it to the wrong end zone. But in uh, what, what happened, he just got sort of turned around. Right? Yeah. He just got kind of turned around on the field. He was disoriented. I mean, he, he did. He ran the ball into the wrong end zone and spiked it <laughs> for safety um, instead of the touchdown he thought he had scored. But that's a much more understandable error. Leon Lett, is this worse than that? Leon Lett? I think it's worse than Leon Lett because that's not nearly as well-known mm-hmm. a rule. Now, should every football player know, yes, don't touch it, yes. But, I, but, but it's not as fundamental as the force is on at first. It's the most fundamental rule in all of sports, I think. As, as you pointed out to me this morning, and I said it on TV, it has been the rule since 1854. It predates the Civil War. They were playing with this rule on the Elysian Fields in Hoboken as they were conceiving the sport. It's not on you, Derek Shelton. It is not on That's you. That's exactly right. They literally adopted that rule the same time they adopted the size and weight of the ball <laughs> itself. The rule is as old as the ball itself, and somehow they got it wrong. All right, coming up, we got to get to all back to all the basketball here. We will tell you uh, the single most important thing to watch for in the NBA uh, amongst the three playoff games tonight. And Tiger Woods speaks, and you're not going to like what he says. You'll hear it on the way right here on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you, and Major League Baseball is on ESPN Radio. We've got two games on our air this weekend. Tomorrow, Padres-Astros, 4 Eastern, then Sunday Night Baseball, Braves-Mets, 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. Our weekend preview is brought to you by Credit Karma. Visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Credit Karma money progress starts here. In a perfect world, all the players involved will know the rules. (laughs) So Hembo and I... Spent the break watching that play over and over again. And every time I watch it, we discover something that makes it even funnier. So the second funniest thing, you've seen all the obvious things. Hembo, to me, the second funniest thing is where the second baseman is positioned. <laughs> What's he doing? The second baseman is positioned like between the pitcher's mound and first base with an unoccupied first base with a base runner 85 feet from touching it. This, but that's not the funniest thing. The funniest thing is that the first baseman, Will Craig, two feet from home plate, with Javi Baez standing within that two-foot area and confined to that two-foot area, if he touches home plate, he has now crossed paths with the runner. Of all the things that the first baseman could choose to do, he can tag out the runner from third, he could tag out the runner going to first, but he chooses to throw the ball two feet. <laughs> like a shot put. He two shot catcher. puts the ball. The catcher catches it. <laughs> he, he, he could have ta- he could, Javi Baez is within reach, like, reach of him. Like th- two or three feet from him. He can extend his hand. He's so worried about the runner coming from second. That doesn't matter. He could have also just have chosen to tag him had he decided so. And instead he throws the ball like a little like a little shot put. Like when I'm doing like these little freeze frames, I'm breaking this down like it's the Zapruder film. Right. Every time I do so, it, it makes it worse. This is the worst play in the history of sports. We are underselling it as anything other than that. He, that, that. That now has become to me, as I watch it, the funniest part of it. And Javi Baez's reaction as he's watching it is hilarious. Like he turns around, he makes the safe sign, then he's like, wait a minute, I gotta run. And he starts running, and there's no one at first. I, 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 I don't know what to say. I mean, I, 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 I'm imagining that anyone listening to this who hasn't seen the play yet has no idea why we find it so funny. But trust me, just oh. go, you, you won't have any trouble finding oh. it. And it is, it's very funny. Okay. So that's that. So again, th- that's of all the decisions made on that play, that one I think is actually the most mind-numbing. When he's eighty, there's literally he's two feet from the plate. Both runners are within reach. He can tag either of them he wants. Javi Baez can't run backwards any farther. He can't take one more step. I mean, you've got him. You've done what he's, you set yeah. out to do. You've trapped him. He chose to. He chose to go all the way back, presumably <laughs> to tag him. Why not tag him? <laughs> Just tag him, dude. He shot puts the. It's, it is unfathomable. It is, and it is also crazy though that 
there was no one covering first base, which is like, this is not just a gaffe by the first baseman. The whole team failed to know the rule. And the fact that Javi Baez got from there to second base safely is unthinkable. That, so anyway, oh. it, it, is, it is both horrendous and hilarious oh. at the same time. Meanwhile, we are looking forward to a great night of NBA action tonight. Three games uh, between ESPN and ABC. The last one is Clippers-Mavs. We'll see if the Mavs can just bury this Clipper team once and for all. The middle game, which is on ABC, is Nets-Celtics. Let's see if the Celtics have anything in them to make this a series tonight against the big three. And then it starts with the Knicks and the Hawks, the most evenly matched series we have seen in quite some time. And so I had Tim Legler on earlier and asked him, what is the single most important key to tonight's game? Here's what he said. Ultimately, for me, it's going to be the the offensive performance of Julius Randle. I I think that's what this series is going to come down to. They're not going to survive this series if Julius Randle doesn't start to have some games like he had most of the regular season. He turned into a legitimate star this year. For me, that's what you have to look at. I think if Julius Randle, and he doesn't necessarily have to be exactly as good as he was in the regular season, but he's got to be close to that. And if he is, I really like the Knicks to win this series. So there you go. That game, that series, it bunches up. You know, they went Sunday to Wednesday, but now they go Wednesday night, Friday night with travel in between Friday night, early game Sunday. Knicks-Hawks is the earliest game Sunday, I believe tip is 1 o'clock Eastern time. So that series now will come at you fast and furious, and we'll see what winds up happening there. More basketball in just a couple of minutes, but I, I did want to read you this. Tiger Woods gave his first interview since the auto accident that almost killed him a couple of months ago in Southern California. And speaking of Golf Digest, he said, quote, my physical therapy has been keeping me busy. I do my routines every day and I'm focused on my number one goal right now, walking on my own, taking it one step at a time. I said this yesterday. If you look at the sport as a whole, the biggest problem they have as a business is that overwhelmingly their two biggest stars, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in that order, are both at the ends of their careers. It would be a miracle if Tiger Woods plays competitive golf again. Now, I would never put anything past him because we've seen him do improbable things before. And I'm a fan. The little bit that I know Tiger personally, I like him. So I say this hoping to God that he winds up proving us all wrong. But the injuries he has suffered compounded upon all of the other surgeries and everything else, it'll be a miracle if he plays competitive golf again. Did you see that accident? It's a miracle he's alive. Thank God he's alive. Thank God his kids still have their father in their lives. That's much more important than whether he plays golf again, wins any more majors or anything. But I don't think at this point the expectation should be when, you know, when Augusta rolls around next year that all of a sudden we're, we're seeing Tiger in contention on a Sunday. And Phil Mickelson, look, the reason that this was such a big deal that he did it last week is precisely because it was so improbable. It has never happened before. So to expect it to happen again, it's obviously not impossible, but it's not likely. So the sport has big questions to answer. They have to develop stars of some of their younger players because this has been an extraordinary era. Tiger Woods brought growth to the sport that it had never seen before. He brought people into the tent that had never been interested in large part because they never felt welcomed. So that has been the best thing. This has been the golden age of the sport. And they will need to figure that part out going forward. In the meantime, we wish Tiger nothing but the best. Look, again, I I don't know him well. He used to come regularly on the old show, for those of you who've been with me that long. 
uh, at a, in an entirely different era of his life. Tiger was a, a semi-regular guest on Mike and Mike. He'd call in, and he was fun, and he, you know, he would joke around about stuff. He loved sports. He loved basketball. He'd you know, come on and talk about stuff. I don't know him well, um, and I just admire his game. That's all I can tell you. I love the sport more than any other, and I love watching him play it more than anyone else I've ever seen. So I would love to see him come back. But when you hear him say this accident was more painful than anything he's ever experienced, and the only thing he's focused on now is walking on his own, makes you a little concerned. All right, coming up, the best news I saw all week by far. That's next here on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Previously on Greeny. <coughs> Pardon me, sneezed. They used to say the last two words any athlete wants to hear are you need to go see Bubba. It's actually only one word. <laughs> uh, sure, let's do it. We've had a little bit of a silly week here in some ways, and that's just the way we like it. Weekly Rewind is brought to you by Dell. Dell Technologies summer sale event can save your business up to 45% on secure PCs built for business with Windows 10 Pro. Rise to the challenge. Call 877-ASK-DELL. This is Greeny live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17, unapologetically leaning into the laughs and the joy in sports. That's why we're here. You know, there's so much serious stuff going on in the world, and we seem to be coming out the other end of one of the really complicated and challenging chapters in the history of our lives and everybody's lives. And we've just, what I, the reason when they asked me would I be willing to come back that I wanted to is because I wanted to lean into the fun. This can be fun. It should be fun. It's meant to be fun. I hope you're having fun. The idea that I sneezed and no one said Gesundheit, I I think it's funny. I think the fact that Hembo couldn't be bothered to say bless you while I'm sitting two feet away, the fact that we're sitting here making fun of the first baseman on the Pirates yesterday... Look, if you're going to make that play, unfortunately, you're going to get made fun of. By the way, the official scorer, I think, had a sense of humor about that play, right? They scored that E3. They scored that E3, even though he should have scored it E2. Like, that's really because the first baseman didn't make an error. (laughs) He just made the worst (laughs) lapse in judgment in the history of sports. But he didn't do anything that would have caused an error for there to be normally. Like, an error is, you know, the definition of you if you don't make an ordinary play. It really shouldn't have been on him, but I think, the, like you said, the official score, giving it to him, did have a sense of humor and was making a point. All right. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance and uh, our guest, as always, on the Goodyear hotline. I, I told you I saw something on Twitter that was my favorite thing by far this week. When you tweet all that stuff out, guess what? Guess what? Da-da-da, da-da-da, we got it. My favorite tweet of the day. 
And I, I want to credit where it came from, and, and I didn't dupe that part of it into my file here. Hembo, you were the one who sent it to me, so if you would, please get the name of the person who tweeted this, because the tweet that I saw over the weekend was, quote, Total consumption of nationally televised live sports events last week was up 37% from 2019. So let's talk here. We're not talking about 2020. We're not talking about during the pandemic when obviously there were no sports a year ago last week. But from 2019, back at a time when the world was the world and things were just normal as we knew them then, 37% more people watched sports this past week then watched them then. And so when Hembo said this past weekend felt like the week that sports came back, I think you were right. And I think that there is something to be said about the fact that when the world stopped being the world, it was sports that sort of signaled that. I think most people realized that the pandemic was going to be a thing that was not just something we had to talk about, but that was going to fundamentally change our lives Most people, I think, figured that out when the NBA postponed its season. And now maybe this is sort of the beginning of feeling like it's coming back. Tell me who tweeted that again. I want to make sure I credit it. That was at at ESPN Floor. She works in brand strategy and content insights for us at ESPN. So it's it's someone who, who, you know, follows the ratings and all that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. So I just wanted to make sure we credited it appropriately. 37% more viewership. Now, is part of that Phil? Absolutely. Because two years ago, the PGA champion, who even won it two years ago? Last year was Colin Morikawa. Two years ago, was that the year Kepka won? Yeah, he won, and Dustin Johnson was chasing him and never got close. We thought the ratings would be really good because Tiger had just won the Masters. It was. You don't even have to look it up. It was Kepka. Um, and it was, it was just a non-thrilling sort of regular run-of-the-mill humdrum major that those of us who love the sport are going to watch. But no one you know, was calling up other people on the phone saying, hey, you got to turn the TV on. You need to see this. Phil Mickelson gave us that. And so I'm sure the ratings for that were up, you know, a trillion percent. And the playoffs in the NBA and all that kind of stuff. All all I'm saying is, for those of us who make our lives here in the sports business, it just sort of feels like it's back. Felt this weekend like it was back. And it is delightful to see it back. And I, if you are one who is as excited as I am, I promise you, this is going to be the place to talk about it. We are going to be all over this stuff as we make our way through the NBA playoffs and the rest of the golf season and the baseball season is hot and heavy, working our way towards football and a whole lot more. But every Friday on this program, we always end it the same way. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Who you got? All right, that brings up Bubba, who once again has uh, multiple doctorates in the area of asking questions. He used to administer lie detector tests for a living. He is noted in that field. Um, that's a job. And, and so he uh, has put together a series of questions for me. And whether I'm prepared to or not, I have to answer them. Hello again. Hashtag Bubba. Yo. <laughs> Let's get this party started. Go. All right. We're going to start with just some NBA questions because we got a few games this weekend. Let's start with Hawks-Knicks because right now the series is tied at one, but they got two games this weekend. So when we come back, what's your prediction? Who you got? Meaning what will the series be Monday when we reconvene? Correct. It will be two apiece. All right. I believe the Knicks will win tonight, and I believe the Hawks will win on Sunday. If you were listening early in our show, it's a good hour and a half ago now, Tim Legler pointed out the significance of the turnaround 
from Friday night to Sunday early. That game is tonight, 7 p.m. tip. It's going to end, call it 9.30. They tip off Sunday, 1 o'clock. That's a tough turnaround, and the Knicks are depending on a lot from Derrick Rose. And a player at his age, right now he has become their best player. Now, he shouldn't be. Julius Randle should be their best player. But the way things are going right now, the Knicks need Derrick Rose desperately. And so I think there is more reason to believe they win tonight than there is to win Sunday. I believe this is a series that's going seven. They're so evenly matched. For that to happen, I think they need to split this weekend. That's my logic. So we've got the Knicks winning tonight, the Hawks winning Sunday, and that is why, Bubba, my answer is it will be 2-2 when we reconvene on Monday. What's next? All right, what about Celtics-Nets? Right now, Brooklyn's up 2-0. we got two games this weekend. What's your prediction come Monday? Can the Celtics get back in it? Who you got? Do we have a sweeping sound effect? Do we have? Does a broom have a sound effect? I saw Charles Barkley pulling out a broom at halftime last night as Milwaukee was dismantling Miami. We're looking at a sweep here. Um, the Celtics had no chance in this series with Jalen Brown. They certainly have no chance without. I don't see any reason to believe they're going to win a single game. If you want to win $100 on the Nets to win this series, how much money do you think you have to put down? Right now? Right now. To win $100, you would have to put down on the Nets – 1600 bucks. $15,000. to win 100 for the That next. makes the odds 150 to 1? <laughs> 150 to 1. Well, yes, 1 to 150. Well, yeah, I yeah. mean they're, they're basically telling you <laughs> that the, Celt- the 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 corollary to that is the Celtics are 150 to 1 to win this series. I know that may not be what it pays. That is the corollary. But though, the yes. logical corollary mm-hmm. of that is that they are giving you, they're willing to tell you it is 150 to 1 that the Celtics come back and win this series. $15,000 to win 100. Would you be willing to bet that just based on the possibilities of injury and any number of other things that 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 I, that the Nets bus doesn't, you know, it gets stuck and they all wind up arriving at the arena 4 minutes before tip off? I mean, would you be willing to throw 100 bucks on that? Just because you, what, what could you win on the Celtics? What, what, what 40 is to 1. 40 to 1 on the Celtics. 40 to 1. See, that's not enough. No, it's not. It's not enough. <laughs> 150 to 1, I do it. Yeah. If you were to give me 150 to 1 on the Celtics, I would throw 100 bucks on that because if I could win $150,000, <laughs> no, that wouldn't be right. $15,000? 15, yeah. Even so, $15,000, I do it. Yeah. $400, mm-hmm. no way. No way. All right, Bubba, what's next? How about the Mavs and the Clippers? Clippers are down 0-2. We got, again, two games this weekend. So when we come back Monday, who you got? I'm going to say Mavs 3-1. I I know I keep calling for splits. I just can't see the Clippers laying down and dying like this. But I don't think Luka loses these games at home. I I mean, the Clippers are the better team. The, the, The Clippers are the better team. Kawhi Leonard is a champion. I, I know I have been extraordinarily critical of them, and I do not take back a word of it. But he is a champion, and they're a very good team, and their coach has championship pedigree. I'll still say 3-1. I, I, I now do believe the Mavericks are going to win that series. I will say 3-1 Dallas. They will split the two games between now and then. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, what's next? Who you got? 
Let's do one more basketball one because we got Heat Bucks. They're the Heat are one game away from mm-hmm. elimination. Game four tomorrow afternoon, right here on ESPN Radio. So who you got in that game? I'd, I'd like to see the Heat win. I'm stunned. Look, I, 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 I'm the first to tell you when I get a prediction right, and I'm the first to tell you when I get one dead wrong. I put the KOD on the Heat. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. And that's inarguable because I picked them to win the series. I think they're going to get swept. I, I've seen nothing that suggests they're going to win one of these games. The, 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 the Bucks are just kicking their behinds. Game one obviously went right down to the buzzer, and they get the big shot at the end. And who knew that would be Miami's only chance? Mm. Game, game two was over in the first quarter. Game three was over in the second quarter. And the, 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 the thing is that they've not made a single run back. Like, they've never at any point made it seem like they might win. So I believe that it will be a sweep. I believe that that series will be over and the Bucks will be waiting for the. Well, they'll both be over. I think Bucks nets will be scheduled. You know, the NBA will be, will be telling us when that series game one will be scheduled for. Because the other one, I think Knicks-Hawks is going to go to seven games. That would take us all the way through next week. Mm-hmm. That would really be something. They're going to push the start of the other one back. Sixers, how fast will the Sixers series be over? That could be a sweep. So that could be over... You know, sometime early next week. But if the Knicks-Hawks goes all the way to Game 7, I think they will have to hold off on Nets-Celtics. Excuse me, on Nets-Bucks. Game 4, Sixers-Wizards is Monday. Monday, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. So if that ends, forget about that one, because obviously they can't start, the Sixers can't do anything until the Knicks-Hawks series ends. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is if Knicks-Hawks goes all the way through next week, when would they start Nets-Bucks knowing that there's going to be a layoff somewhere? Like, you don't want the Nets and Bucks to have played three games before the Knicks and the Sixers, or whoever and the Sixers play their first one. Well, game seven would be next Sunday. That's what I mean. Yeah, so it goes all the way through next yeah, week. all the way through. If it happens that way. All right, we'll be interesting to see. Yes. One way or another, I think that that is, uh, that's another sweep. I think that the Bucks will win that series, and we'll figure out when they're going to start playing the Nets. Greeny on ESPN Radio. What else he got, Bubs? All right, 57 years ago this week, a dozen students at a school in England they were sent home in order to get haircuts because their hair resembled Mick Jagger, who you got as the one musician you wish you could model your look after. Okay. Here's what I will tell you. In my youth, and I can produce photos to prove it, I wanted to look like Keith Partridge, David Cassidy of the Partridge family. Nice. I had the exact haircut he had, parted right down the middle, feathered and blow-dried, and I wore the puka shell necklace. Oh, yeah. I was. I thought he was the coolest person in the world, and that's who I wanted to be. God rest his soul. He's no longer with us, but I got to know David late in his life. Mike and I used to sing um, I Think I Love You on the air all the time, and then one time I'm in an airport. We were fly. I remember where we were. We were flying down to, to ESPN the weekend. I'm with my family. This guy taps me on the shoulder wearing a hat and glasses in an airport, like like sunglasses, and I turn around. I don't, you know, I don't know what he's going to be. And he takes off the hat and the glasses, and it's it's David Cassidy. Wow. And we wound up sitting and talking. We exchanged numbers, and we became somewhat friendly. And unfortunately, he died very young. But that's going to be my answer. I wouldn't feel that way anymore today. But in his honor, my my late great friend David Cassidy, that's the musician I once once w- once wanted to model my look after. How about you, Bubba? You've got a little meatloaf in you. 
For those of you who've never seen Bubba, Bubba looks exactly like Q from Impractical Jokers. That's who you actually resemble. I agree resemble. with that, yeah. So, so for, but if I had to pick a musical artist, like is there a musical artist people tell you you resemble? I don't think so, no. I don't. I would go Meatloaf. Meatloaf, nice. No? I mean, I, I think it like, <laughs> seems reasonable. Yeah, perfect. Am I the first person who's ever said that? I, I don't, I don't, I didn't. I would have thought that would be something you heard regularly. No, I don't think I've ever been compared to Meatloaf, no. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I, I'm, I'm looking over there at the group. Who does Nuno look like? Does Nuno look like a singer of any kind? Any, any musical artist? Nuno looks like he'd be playing classical cello. And you know, Nuno looks like a classical musician, right? He doesn't look like he'd be out there on stage at Barclays, like rocking the house or anything like that. I was, I, I was always Pavarotti, actually. Now that we think about okay, that, yeah, was, maybe an that opera was, singer. That's right. That I was, could uh, see back on Mike and Mike. I looked like Pavarotti with that picture. You know, that was that was my main comparison. That's true. You did. You look like Luciano Pavarotti a little bit. If you had, I think I look like that more little than Meatloaf. But. You just don't dress like him. So, but if you had the, you know, you had the tux with the bow tie dangling and the, um, you know, the sweat rag. He always had the like the towel. Uh, to mop up his sweat, a la Chris Berman, um, I, I, w- I could see that. All right, I'll give you that one. You would be Luciano Pavarotti. All right, what's next? All right, 22 years ago today, the 21-year-long restoration of Da Vinci's The Last Supper was finally completed. It was originally painted in what year, do you know? Of Da Vinci's Last Supper? Yeah. Do I know what year that was painted? Yeah, just throwing it out as a side I mean, it would, it would it would be like 600 years ago, right? So, uh, like, uh, yeah, what was that? Uh, what are you, what you going to guess? I'm going to guess that it was painted in 157. I mean, I don't know why you're asking me this. 1574. Ooh, 1495. Okay. So, that was close. Who you got as your favorite painting? My favorite painting? Favorite painting. That's a great question. I, I like art, and, and I, I have spent a lot of time in art museums in my life. If I had to pick one, the ones that are jumping to my mind, Edward Hopper's Nighthawks, which, which hangs in the Chicago Art Institute, which is very famous and has been seen in popular culture in this country many times. If you Google it, you'll know you've seen it. Once you see it, you'll say, oh, okay, I know that painting. It's a bunch of people sitting like in a, in a diner, in, 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 you know, in a, in a, like in the 40s. I, I would say that Van Gogh is is uh, of the people whose work I've seen. Van Gogh at the Musée d'Orsay in Paris is the one who always blows my mind. Starry Night and some of the other works that you will see there, un, unimaginably brilliant. I saw Picasso's Guernica at the Prado Museum in Madrid. I would say one of those. If I, if I have to pick one, though, just because it's a painting everybody I think will know, I will say Edward Hopper's Nighthawks. You got one more, Bubba? Go. Sure. Tomorrow will be actor Ted Levine's 64th birthday. He's most famously known as Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. So who you got as your favorite psychological thriller movie? Oh, I love it. I would say that. That's, That's my favorite. Uh, I, love I that mean, movie. it's the greatest. It's a good one. That That is an unimaginably good movie. Like, Silence of the Lambs is a movie... 50 years from now, will still be just as watchable. That basement scene? Oh. Such a great first watch, Th- but it's awesome anytime. Mm-hmm. There's no part of that movie that is not brilliant. There's no performance in that movie that's not brilliant. I love it. All right. So much fun to finish it up with a, a little bit of Bubba. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Enjoy all the sports. We'll see you Monday, ESPN Radio. 
Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.